We're going to continue our series called Kingdom First, and we're going to be really in three passages of Scripture, but I'm going to give you one right now that we're going to read together. It'll be John chapter 18, verse 36. You can kind of find your way there in your copy of God's Word. It's John 18, verse 36. Uh, while you're getting there, I just want to reiterate what Candy said about uh, Veterans Day next weekend. Uh, we will be celebrating. We always sort of acknowledge Veterans Day for sure. This church has a passion for ministry to veterans. Uh, but particularly, we have someone coming in uh, who, I don't want to give her, her story away, but who will encourage you immensely uh, and here's what I, w- I want to say. Uh, invite anyone and everyone that you know who is either a veteran or a Gold Star family or is struggling in any way with anxiety, depression, or grief. Anxiety, depression, or grief. People need to hear this lady's story. And uh, she will be sharing that. We'll actually be an interview uh, Two of us, three of us will actually be together uh, just talking here on the stage. And uh, I think it'll be encouraging and moving. Uh, it's something, it's not going to be your typical uh, uh, time of preaching, but it's more a story. And, uh, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be significant. It's going to be impactful. So I hope that you will invite people to come and be a part of that. Invite them to watch online if they feel like they just can't come back to to a church gathering yet, this is going to be really important. So uh, that's next week, so don't forget. Also, I want to take some time to simply just pray for our nation today before we, uh, we get started. Obviously, when we come to uh, sort of crossroad moments in our nation's history and we think about elections and and obviously with this one, uh, we have just seen the bubbling of the fragmentation that is the United States of America. I think uh, the church must pray, must do its part. I, I bet, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have already voted? Looks like everybody in Houston has already voted. If you haven't voted, get out there and go vote. But what we need to do now is we need to pray. And uh, I'm going to ask you to pray uh, this way. You know, we're going to have a first Wednesday prayer gathering on Wednesday uh, where we will pray for the nation again. Uh, Who knows where we'll be on Wednesday, (laughs) right? Then this is one of those weeks. Who knows? Uh, But what we do know is we serve a risen king, that we're a part of a greater kingdom, and that he's a plan, he's sovereign over, over all of this. And so we don't know who we'll be praying for on Wednesday uh, or what we'll be praying for on Wednesday. But today, I want us to pray that in the United States of America, that, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> I want to pray for unity, for civility, uh, for after the election. Uh, for whatever comes, comes next. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And I'm going to give you just a moment of silence to pray, and then I'll, I'll lead us in a, in a time of prayer.
Lord, we uh, come to you understanding what Pastor Zach taught us last week from your word that we're citizens of another kingdom, a greater kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And we realize that, but we were uh, also, we have been placed here either by birth or as we've come from other geography and other lands to this uh, nation that we live in. And Lord, this is our, our, our home while we're here. This is where our feet are and where our kids grow up and where our grand- grandkids grow up. And uh, this is where we work and rest and play and all those things. And we care about it. And uh, Lord, we want as the church, as your church, as your people, <clears throat> we, we, we've placed all our hope in you. Uh, we know, God, there's no politician, uh, no pundit that can rescue us. No government can rescue us. We've placed all our hope in you. Lord, we want to be a people who have confidence in you. As we move forward, no matter what happens, this has been a crazy year, Father. When we sing that song, "Is He Worthy," and and we we hear the the you know the the lyrics that talk of a new creation, we long for it because we realize the old one is broken. In 2020, we get it. Lord, I pray for this nation, this people. Uh, this week. Father, I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven through the people of the United States, through the church of Jesus Christ in the United States. Father, I pray uh, that no matter what happens, no matter who's elected, no matter how things go, Father, that you would help us as the church take a lead when, when it comes to civility, Father, help us to love you well and love people well in our action, our demonstration, our dialogue, our discourse, Father. Let us be your ambassadors. Father, I pray for a healing in this land. I pray for revival in this land. I pray for unity in this land. That seems impossible. That prayer right there, that unity prayer, it seems impossible to me. But I know that you can do things that I can't even imagine. And so, Father, would you bring your peace? Would you bring hope? And we yield to you. We submit to you, Father. Give us uh, feet for the path. Give us uh, eyes to see how you're at work. Give us uh, hands to do the work you want us to um, continue, Father to bless us as we bless you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, continue praying and come back Wednesday and uh, let's pray some more, uh, 6.30 here on Wednesday night. So we're gonna jump back into our series called Kingdom First. And I'll ask you to stand. We're gonna read John 18, 36. And I'm gonna preach a message today called What the Kingdom is not what the kingdom is not. So sometimes in order to understand what something is, you really have to understand what it is uh, not. And Jesus and the apostle Paul, 
on three occasions say the kingdom of God is not, and that's what we're going to look at today. So John chapter 18, verse 36, if you're our guest, we say this phrase, the very words just at the end of the main text reading. Here's what it says, John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. You can be seated. All right, so let me just give you a heads up. You want to turn over to Romans chapter 14, verse 17, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, as we continue on today. So, my kingdom is not of this world. This is the first what the kingdom is not statement. We get it from Jesus himself, and here's the scenario. Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's arrested and put on trial. He's dragged before uh, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate, this is just before his crucifixion. Pontius Pilate is trying to determine who Jesus is. He's being accused of an, being an insurrectionist. Uh, he has been accused of making claims that he's the king of the Jews and the son of God. And for Pilate, the son of God is actually Caesar. So this is a threat against Rome And Pilate's really trying to wade through this and this particular portion of the dialogue, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And, uh, and he's asking him questions like, what, uh, what have you done? And this is where Jesus just says to him this, this, you know, what the kingdom is not sort of question. I and mean, when Pilate thinks about the, the kingdom, Pilate is thinking about uh, uh, political power. He's thinking about prowess in the world. He's thinking about the conquering of land. He's thinking about uh, being rulers over many. This is, his, this is his idea of what a kingdom is like. And Jesus shifts the conversation on him to simply say, my kingdom is not of this world. It is a different kind of kingdom with a different kind of king with a different level of authority. And Jesus used this example, like, if my kingdom was of this world, um, I would be raising up the men around me to fight you to keep me from here. But I have walked, I have gone in a civil way. I've walked from, with you from the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been put on trial unfairly. I've been brought uh, to you with unfair, unjust charges, and I now stand before you, and I, I'm just telling you, if, if my kingdom was of this world, I would be fighting, but I'm not fighting because my kingdom is not of this world, because I'm a different kind of king. I have a different level of authority. I mean, Jesus said of himself, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So when you're talking about, you've got Pilate who thinks he's very strong in, in Jerusalem because he's, he is the number one Roman guy in Jerusalem at the time. Jesus is just saying, comparatively speaking, your authority has nothing on mine. I'm a different kind of king. We know now of Rome that that Roman occupation would go away, that Pilate would die. That, uh, that what was the greatness of Rome would be reduced to what it is even even today. And so Jesus is simply saying, I'm a different kind of king with a different kind of component. My kingdom is not of this world uh, with different kind of authority. Now, this kingdom of Jesus does have different components. It's not land. 
It's not str- he's, he is not struggling for earthly power or domination. You realize that about Jesus, right? Even there in the moment, just before he gets crucified, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not struggling to be dominant. I'm not even fighting you, Pilate. I'm just gonna do what I said I would do. And he rises again three days later, uh, showing how victorious he is. He's just... He's not in pursuit of conquering land. He's not in pursuit of of dominating. And because he's not trying to dominate people or conquer land, then with Jesus and his kingdom, there are no lies, there are no politics. The kingdom is about an everlasting truth. There's nothing to argue about because there's one king and one kingdom, and it's based, according to the scripture, holistically in truth. So there's a, he's saying, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a different kind of kingdom with a different king and a different level of authority. It's got different components, but it also has a different way. It's a different way of doing things. So this is where, if you, if you back up now, if you imagine you get to be a fly on the wall, you're watching this dialogue between Pilate Uh, Pontius Pilate and Jesus, and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If you back up, if you sort of rewind back to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus gets arrested, when Jesus gets arrested, Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off one of the temple guard's ears. We get the guy's name is Malchus in the scripture. And Jesus actually rebukes him. We see uh, in, in John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11, it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? In other words, Peter draws the sword, does what you would expect him to do if, if his, his, his brother is being attacked, and Jesus says, Put it away because I have to walk through this, this cup that I have to drink, it was given to me by the Father. Because he's got a completely different way about him. The kingdom has a, a, a holistically different way. When you hear Jesus teach, you hear him say things that are completely uh, counterintuitive to what, what, what you would think of someone who's, who's uh, trying to dominate or trying to conquer he says things like blessed are the peace or blessed are the peacemakers in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. He says love your neighbor and then he says love your enemy too. I mean how are you supposed to do that Matthew 5:43 to 45. You have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you this is Jesus speaking love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his Sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I mean, he's got a completely different way about him. So he's a different kind of kingdom. It's not of this world. It doesn't operate like kingdoms of this world operate. It's not dealing with the same issues of needing to dominate or grab land. It's, it's got a completely different authority and it's got a completely different way. Now, that doesn't mean that the kingdom of God isn't active and expanding in the world. It just means it's not of this world, so it doesn't do things the way the world does it. And when you think about it, you can look at places like Iran or like China, and you can see that the worldly powers try to dominate and crush 
what is Christianity or the kingdom of God. Yet in those two regions, in Iran and in China, the church is growing faster than any other place in the world. Not because of violence, not because they're pushing back, but because the kingdom of Jesus does things a completely different way. You can't squelch it, you see. And so this is the first thing that we learn. When Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he's talking about uh, something far greater than even what Pontius Pilate could see, even what he would imagine as the greatness of Rome. And we need to step into that as followers of Jesus. We would say, you know, we're kingdom people. And we have to recognize, especially in moments like we're in, always, but especially in moments like, like we're in, that the kingdom of Jesus does not operate, nor is it bound to how this world works and behaves. It is above it. It's a different king, different authority, based in truth. There's nothing to argue about. It has a completely different way. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy too. Oh, that's hard. That's the way of of Jesus. That's the first thing. My kingdom is not of the world. Now, the second thing that we get is in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And Paul Paul makes this statement to the church at Rome. Now we're, you know, you know, Jesus was before Pontius Pilate making the statement, My kingdom is not of the world, this governing official for Rome. Now Paul is talking to the church at Rome, because the, the church at Rome really uh, had uh, some flourishing, uh, and as it flourished, it began to, to you know, deal with particular issues, and, and you'll see that. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the second thing we get is the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Now, you might think to yourself, what does this have to do with anything? I never even thought of the kingdom of God as a matter of eating and drinking. But in those days, here's the issue. Some people are thinking to themselves, based on the Jewish dietary law and the Torah, well, so-and-so eats pork, and we're not supposed to eat pork. So how could he be saved if he eats pork? Even though we get in the book of Acts, even though we get twice in the New Testament that we've been freed, that God created everything and everything is edible among the the Gentiles and the Christians. We've been freed from that dietary law. You can eat shrimp. Anybody like hallelujah? Uh, Pepperoni pizza, anybody like that? Uh, You can eat that stuff and still be saved, believe believe it or not. But this was a big issue for them. Like, how could, how could someone, like, mix cheese and meat on the same, same thing? How can you eat that or drink that? This is the scenario. It's, Paul's admonishing the church to not pass judgment on one another when it comes to secondary or tertiary preferences or convictions like eating and drinking. I mean, uh, maybe one that hits closer to home here is that some people in this room would say, I've never drank alcohol in my life. Other people in this room have a bottle of wine or two or five in their, in their, their cabinet or whatever right now. You're going to have it with, you know, dinner tonight, right? You're not an alcoholic. You just, 
do you just drink wine every once in a while? Those are secondary issues. You know, it's not my job. If I show up at your house, you don't have to hide your wine. Because I'm not going to look at you and go, oh my gosh, they have wine in their house. How could they even be saved? What in the world, right? I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want you to get drunk. The Bible speaks against that. But that's a secondary issue. It's a tertiary issue. I might not drink, but you, you might drink every once in a while, and that's a secondary issue, a tertiary. Paul's saying, don't judge each other. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. You realize, like, what a waste of time those issues are. And here's what we learn from this passage of Scripture as Paul speaks to the church at Rome, because well, they suffered, and then they flourished, and then they got, like, so uh, judgmental on these secondary and tertiary things. So here's what we learn. The kingdom of God is not a matter of, of these things because mostly they're based on personal preference or conviction. Personal preference or, or conviction. So if I know, hey, they don't eat per- pepperoni pizza, I'm not going to invite you to, to my house and have pepperoni pizza, right? I'm going to consider that for you. I'm going to say, oh, they, they, they don't eat pepperoni pizza, And I'm not going to judge you one way or the other. I'm going to be glad I can eat pepperoni pizza when you're not there. But I'm not going to judge you, and I'm not going to put it in your your face, right? These are are the kind of issues that were plaguing the, the church at Rome. Often, our convictions may differ on some things that are not of primary importance. Do you realize that? Do you realize, like, we, we don't agree on everything in here? We just don't. However... We agree on primary things. Jesus is Lord. He died on a cross. He's risen from the dead. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's coming back again. We, we agree on primary things, the most important things. We don't waste our time judging each other, gossiping about each other on these secondary or tertiary issues because often they're based on convictions. I'm going to respect those for you. But I'm not going to necessarily judge those, those things. So here's, again, what we learn. Instead of being divisive or judging those things, I need to consider those things out of love for you. So, you know, here, let me just make it harder because pepperoni pizza is easy, Right? Some people in this room have a very, uh, are zealous Republicans. Some people in this room are zealous Democrats. Some people are somewhere in the middle when it comes to politics. Do you know when, it, when, we, when we talk about the kingdom first, do you know I, I, can, I can walk into a conversation with any of those people and, and love any of you, no matter where, where you stand on those particular issues, primarily I'm concerned with, do you know Jesus and do we agree on the primary things? Because all those issues are secondary. I'm sure in Rome there was like, hey, do you like Caesar? I don't like Caesar. Caesar's a jerk, right? Or, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, don't don't say Caesar's a jerk. You're supposed to pray for Caesar. You know, all, all of that stuff going on for sure. We don't need to get stuck in that. Because we seek the kingdom first. And this is what Paul is saying. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It's not a matter of secondary or tertiary issues. 
It's not an argument. So this whole thing, though, just so you know, this is not an argument for, for you to decide what is sin and what is not sin. The Bible's really clear on what sin is. Uh, I'm not saying, hey, go make it up as, as you go along. I'm saying don't get stuck on secondary preferential issues. Don't get stuck on secondary preferential issues. And I'm, I fear, especially in this time, that we have, uh, we as the church of Jesus. And this is why we need to think about the kingdom of God first, the king and his kingdom first. Uh, it's, it's not about those things. The kingdom, according to this scripture, is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is calling primary things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you read on, verse 19 says, says this, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Now, we might disagree on a million different things, but when we're singing this song, is he worthy? Are we singing in agreement? Yes, because Jesus Christ, the King, is worthy. No matter who you voted for, no matter if you're for a mask or against a mask, no matter if you think COVID-19 is going to disappear in three days or whether you think it's going to last until 2022, no matter if you're going to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine, Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the kingdom first, you see. I just shrunk the church again in in half. I went to zero. I'm back up to like half. I'm cutting it down again. These are the words of God. Here's the third thing. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. So turn over there. So we already know this. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Paul said, my kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of secondary and tertiary things. It's a matter of primary things. Don't get stuck in those things. But here's the third thing, and and this is also Paul. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Exactly what I just said. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So what is this about? Well, Paul, here's the scenario. Paul is admonishing the church at Corinth. So now you've moved from Rome to Corinth, another church that has flourished. And he's admonishing this church about being more like the apostles and less like the world. Because what happened as the the church grew and grew and grew, as it drifted into the culture and sort of became more like the culture than it was like the apostles, like the disciples who passed the faith on to them. You realize the world talks a good game. And in the midst of this conversation, Paul describes the Christians, I think, facetiously at Corinth as being royalty, not to shame them. I mean, this is facetious. Not to shame them, but to show their pursuit of another kingdom. They're pursuing their own kingship, their own identity apart from God. It's almost like we're, we're nearing again this Tower of Babel idea where we're going we're gonna to pursue things our own way. They talk a good game, but they live like the world. And self-centeredness for the people of Corinth in this moment is evidenced by their boasts and by their arrogance. 
It's evidenced. So these are supposed to be kingdom people. One king focused on the primary things. Yes, he is worthy, uh, living as ambassadors for the kingdom and righteousness, joy, and peace. And yet, Paul is saying to them, you, you're already royalty. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Already, you have all that you want. Already, you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share that rule with you. He goes on to say, like, we don't have anything. It's just the clothes on our back. And you're pursuing all this stuff, just like everything, everybody else in Corinth, and your priorities are whack. And so you've already become uh, royalty. The, the, the kingdom, according to Paul, is more interested in our deeds than our words. It's actually the deeds that resonate power. Our words are just words until they're backed up with our life. Hear me on that. Everybody likes to talk. But our words are just words unless our feet walk them out. And Paul wants them to imitate him as if they are kingdom people. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10 to 13, he says, here's what we're like. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you are strong. You're held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, listen to the, the way of the kingdom right here. When, we, re, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Now, this is what Paul is saying Christianity has gotten him in the world. Does that sound fun? Is that what we're, we're excited about chasing? No, it's opposite of what we chase. We're more often more like the church of Corinth, more interested in being comfortably secure, less interested in being like Paul and the apostles and the disciples and Jesus who said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And if we're going to be kingdom first people, we have to be more like our feet have to walk this thing out, more like Jesus and the apostles and less like the world. Paul wants them, the hearer of this, this letter, to imitate him, which means he wants them to, when they're reviled, he wants them to bless. How does that go? For you when you're reviled. It's hard for me. I don't, I don't like to bless when I'm reviled. You know? uh, what, about, what about this one? You know, <laughs> when persecuted, we in, endure. I mean, I, I just got to tell you, we have not been persecuted in the United States. I just hope you know that. Those, those, there are some squawking out there that we're being persecuted. No. It might be hard. It might be suffering a little bit. We might have to do some things we don't want to do. I have a pastor friend in California. Dude is setting up tents outside every Sunday. His name's Brian Worth. Setting up so tents outside in L.A. every Sunday because they told him can't worship in his building. So... He's worshiping outside his building. That's a Jesus move right there. 
I mean, I'm like, way to go, Brian Worth. Yeah, it might be, it might be hard. You might have to wear a mask. There may be these guidelines, and you think to yourself, no, 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 this is persecution. No, it's not persecution. What Paul endured, what people endure in other countries, we have not endured. And America, we may endure it one day. We may, we may endure it uh, one, one day. And, and when we get there, when we are persecuted, we endure. I, I just wondered in this whole exercise of 2020, like how it's going to go for the church of Jesus Christ in America if we are persecuted. Jesus says that we are to endure, even as he endured. When slandered, when we, we entreat. If you, have you ever been slandered, which I have, you don't feel like entreating anyone, especially that person who slandered you. I like to throat punch. That's my, that's my go-to. But it's not the way of Jesus. I'm always having to say to myself, I can't throat punch that person. I cannot, Pastor Brian. I mean, these, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. So Paul is constantly looking to the kingdom first. The kingdom is not empty words cloaked in arrogance. Kingdom is not empty words cloaked in arrogance. Like we say we're Jesus followers. We say we're disciples of Jesus, all this stuff. It's not empty words cloaked in arrogance. We walk it out. That's how you know. And that's powerful. You see someone walking with Jesus in the world today, there's power in it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're not doing it on their own, but it might look funny. In fact, they may not have everything that the world has and all that stuff. Dude, they walk in power because their life lines up with their lips. Uh, Kingdom people are not shaken at this moment in American history because they view their citizenship in another place. They may do everything they can to be salt and light in the world that they live in, to love their neighbors as their self, to do their part as, as citizens of this country, but they are not shaken. This is not about empty words. This is cloaked in arrogance. This is, this is power cloaked in humility. First Corinthians chapter 4, 18 to 20. Some are arrogant as though I, I were not coming to you. Paul is like, I'm getting ready to come and find out, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And listen, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. I'm just going to look past their words and see like what's in their life. I'll find out. Paul, Paul is like not your mama's pastor. He is, uh, man. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna find out. Remember, he's the guy that like went to Jerusalem before before he met Jesus. He's the guy that w- went to Damascus to like round everybody up because he was zealous. You know, he's a zealous. He's a zealous guy. He's like, I'm gonna find out. I'll look past the words and I'll, I'll find out. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. We do not want to be the church of all talk and no power. We want to walk in power, power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was put in front of Pilate, he didn't say much. But what he said was powerful. 
and he did what he said he would do, rose again from the dead. This is, uh, this is our plight as followers of Jesus. And so as a follower of Jesus, here's my ending question. As a follower of Jesus, all of you that would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. When you look at your life, your words, your discourse, your priorities, does it line up with what the kingdom of God is not? Or are you a kingdom ambassador? This is the thing. Say, I, I feel for a long time, I think, it's been easy to be a follower of Jesus in the United States of America, or at least to say that you're a follower of Jesus in the United States of America. Um, now we are being tested, not because people are chasing us down to, to, to cut off our heads, but because our own ideology is so fragmented that we fear and don't know what to do. And I would say to you, look, church, his kingdom is not of this world. It's better and bigger and ever-expanding and invincible. And he's working in the world today, all over the world. It's not a matter of eating and drinking and judging each other on these secondary and tertiary issues. It's a waste of our time. It's not a matter of talk. It's a matter of living it out, walking it out. So you could have a church of 10,000 that's all talk and no power. Don't give me that. Give me a church of 250 that walks in power. We'll get way more done for the kingdom's sake. Much love and respect for you, for your walk, for who you are and how you live that out in Christ. I pray that you will seek first the kingdom of God, especially in these days. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and just ask the Lord to speak to us? Lord Jesus, we um, desire to live as kingdom people in the land that you placed us in. It's a unique day, a unique season, unique time. It's a unique time for the church. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross, despised the shame, rose victorious, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is coming back again. Your kingdom is ever expanding. It's not powerless, but it's powerful. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that are kingdom people, that are ambassadors of your kingdom, that walk it out no matter how hard it gets. Let us walk in power. Fill us with your spirit, fresh and new. Forgive us when we have made it what it's not, Jesus. So if we, if we become the scum of the earth for the glory of your name, so be it, God. But let us live for the glory of your name. Help us to be the kind of people that 
when we're reviled and treat people and bless people. When we're slandered, lift people up. Help us to walk in your way. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.